Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be talking about five players who have drastically underperformed to start off the season. So right now, these guys are starting to look like busts. And I'm basically just going to talk through what I would do if I was owning these players. Would I be trying to trade them away? Would I be holding on to them? Maybe they're not on your team. Would I be trying to acquire these guys? What would I trade for them? What could I trade them away for? All of that stuff. If you guys are enjoying this video while you're watching it, please just hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. And then let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. You can also ask me any fantasy football related questions, start sits, waiver wire, trade advice, anything you wanna ask, drop it down below. I'll be responding to every single person. But let's start it off at the running back position. And the first player here is going to be Miles Sanders. So right now he is averaging 10.1 PPR points per game and is currently the RB35 in points per game. And what's kind of crazy here is that his backup, Kenneth Gainwell, is right behind him. He is at RB36, which is not great to see because you probably drafted Miles Sanders to be your RB3 this season, but really the opportunities just have not been there. You know, I think there was definitely some skepticism about drafting Miles Sanders personally, I was fading him. I don't think I have any shares of him in any of my leagues. I thought it was going to be a committee, but I also thought, you know, he was going to lead that committee. So far, it's been a two-headed monster, but I mean, it's been pretty even. Sanders is definitely getting more overall opportunities, but not enough to be a very relevant start. He's averaging 9.6 carries per game. That's not great. That is 35th in the NFL. He's averaging 3.8 targets per game, which is 14th. So that's a little bit better, but that's still not going to move the needle. And he really just is not getting the valuable touches on this offense. He has eight red zone touches, which is 35th in the NFL. He only has one goal line carry. And right now, Gainwell is receiving more targets per game. He's at 4.2 compared to Miles Sanders, 3.8. And so far, Gainwell only has one less red zone touch. Miles Sanders also has not been able to get into the end zone compared to Kenneth Gainwell, who has scored twice. Jalen Hurts being the quarterback on this team is also a major factor because if Sanders was in this committee with a pocket passing quarterback, I think he'd be producing at a much higher level. But here with Jalen Hurts, he is going to take away a lot of that rushing upside from Miles Sanders. Hurts has 10 red zone carries, which is more than Sanders and Gainwell have overall touches in the red zone individually for both of those guys. Going into this Thursday, you know, I don't think this is a game where he's gonna have a huge boom. He's going up against the Bucks, which is a bad matchup. I don't think they're gonna be able to run the ball with these running backs. He could get involved in the receiving game, but who's to say that it's not Kenneth Gainwell who has a massive game through the air. We saw Miles Gaskin ball out. And if Gainwell is out targeting Miles Sanders, this could be another rough week for Miles Sanders owners. I definitely think there's a little bit of hope that his production could improve throughout the season. You know, he's going to get into the end zone. He's not going to finish the season with zero touchdowns, but I don't really think this production is going to change, you know, a ton, whether it's up or down. Like, I don't think he's going to go from RB 35 and be like the RB 18 throughout the rest of the season. I just don't see it happening right now with his current workload. So I'd be totally willing to move him for the right price. He may carry some extra value just based on his name and where he was being drafted this season. Some guys that I would look to trade him for, Leonard Fournette, he's gonna be going up against this Thursday. I would straight up trade Miles Sanders for Fournette. Fournette didn't start off the season super hot, but he is starting to break away 
as the workhorse in that Buccaneers backfield. That is something that Miles Sanders is not going to be able to do. Another guy I'd like to look at is Javante Williams. I'm not a huge Javante Williams fan. He is in a locked-in committee with Melvin Gordon, but I do think throughout this season, he can kind of start to break away. You're kind of taking a risk here because Miles Sanders is probably going to be, you know, the 1A to the 1B. Javante Williams may be locked in with Melvin Gordon for the rest of the season, but there's also a chance he starts to kind of out-touch Gordon and ends up being a much more valuable fantasy play in the future. Or if you really want to upgrade the running back position, you could make offers with Miles Sanders plus, you know, a solid wide receiver for guys like Daryl Henderson, James Robinson. I think that's a pretty suitable play as well. There's not a lot of running backs that you trust on a week-to-week basis, so I'd be willing to pay up to get one of these guys. The next running back I'm going to talk about here is Damian Harris, and he's currently averaging 8.5 PPR points per game. He is the RB46, and he was drafted to be a running back three at the very latest in RB4, but that would be a pretty heavy running back draft. We knew he was going to be very one-dimensional coming into this season. He's only used in the run game, but kind of coming into the year, the argument was that he was very efficient on the ground last year, but you had Cam Newton there taking the red zone carries. So now Damian Harris is going to have more opportunities to get into the end zone. Plus, he may have more overall carries now that Cam Newton is gone. That's not really how this has played out. He still has no role in the receiving game, only 1.6 targets per game. He's only averaging 12.6 rush attempts per game. That's actually down from last year when Newton was the quarterback, so that is not a good sign. I don't think he's going to be losing this role as the primary ball carrier. I feel like he kind of has this locked up, but I also don't think there's a ton of room to grow. Like I don't think he's going to start eating into the receiving work. I just don't see it happening. They've really shown no interest in using him that way. So I'd be totally willing to trade Damian Harris. Personally, I just do not like having these running backs who are one-dimensional. I don't like having running backs who are only pass catchers, and I don't like having running backs who have no receiving involvement. I like somewhere in between because I just think there's no safety with either of those players. You know, Damian Harris could put up a really solid, you know, real-life NFL game, rush for 90 yards, but if he doesn't get into the end zone, that's still a bad fantasy performance with receiving backs. You just don't know how they're going to be used on a week-to-week basis. So I'd be waiting for a game where he puts up like 80 plus yards and a touchdown, and then I would try to move on from him. Now I'm going to talk about a wide receiver, and it is going to be Allen Robinson. He has probably been one of the biggest busts so far to start off this season. Coming into this season, I labeled him as one of the safest wide receivers for 2021, and boy was that wrong. He's averaging 8.2 points per game, the wide receiver 69 through five weeks, and he was going in the third round of drafts. So if you picked him, your team is probably struggling. This whole situation with the Bears is a total mess. This is really more of a Bears problem, not an Allen Robinson problem, but that kind of becomes an Allen Robinson fantasy problem because if the team can't feed him, then he's not going to be producing. Allen Robinson in the past has succeeded with quarterbacks like Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles, but this offense is somehow worse than all of those. This Bears team has thrown for 728 yards on the season. 728 yards. That is 145.6 yards per game. That is pitifully low, and to add on to that, they only have two total passing touchdowns. Allen Robinson has a 24.2% target share, 
which is not a bad target share. Like that's pretty solid, slightly lower than last season when you put together a really nice year, but he has that target share on only 5.2 targets per game. And that is because this team just does not throw the ball. They're throwing the ball 24.2 times per game, which is the second lowest in the NFL. This is really going to continue throughout the entire season, unless there's some drastic change. Like they've kind of succeeded in this. They're three and two right now. The run game has been solid. The defense has played really well. So like, why are they going to change it up? But for the time being, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney just have no value. I would not want Allen Robinson in my lineup. And I think right now in trades, you can probably get more than Allen Robinson is worth just based on his name value. Some people might be trying to kind of buy low on Allen Robinson, but I feel like this is kind of what he is probably for the rest of the season. You know, he's going to improve a little bit, but I don't even know if he's ever going to get back to the point where he is a startable wide receiver this season, just this season. I still think he's a great player. The situation is just terrible. So I would kind of ask around, try to make some moves, but I just think his past track record alone is going to bring in some nice offers for you. We have another wide receiver here. It is AJ Brown averaging 7.3 points per game, the wide receiver 80, and he was a second round pick. So he has also been a very huge bust to start off the season, but I'm going out, I'm trying to acquire him. And if I have him on my team, I'm 100% holding him. I am not selling. So far this season, his talent and the overall opportunity he's received has just not matched his production. And so that tells me that I'm not trying to move him off my team. I'm waiting for that stuff to kind of sync up. In his three full games, remember he left week three early with a hamstring injury, so that is not included here. In his three full games, he's averaging 7.7 targets per game. That is basically the exact same number he averaged last year. So the targets are still there. That's great to see. And in those games, he's averaging 9.7 points per game. That is not good. But here's the thing with AJ Brown. He is a boomer bust player. We knew that coming into the season. He's a guy who doesn't rely on a ton of volume. He relies on touchdowns and explosive plays. In 2020, AJ Brown played in 14 games. He scored under 10 points three times and over 20 points six times. So if he doesn't have that big play, his production is not gonna be there. But if he does, it's gonna come down to him making one or two of these huge plays. And that's when you can really see these huge high upside weeks. And so I have faith that this Titans team is going to right the ship. Same thing with AJ Brown. And here's the thing, I've seen a lot of people in my comment sections kind of panicking with AJ Brown. What do I do with him? Do I trade him away? And here's the way that I look at it. You drafted him probably as a second round pick and what you're gonna get in return right now is not even close to that. You're probably gonna be getting like a mid to low end wide receiver two in return. And that may seem good, you know, right now because they may be outproducing AJ Brown but is that gonna win you your championship? Because you're basically sacrificing your second round pick for like a fifth or sixth round guy. And so basically, even if AJ Brown doesn't return to that top tier form, you're probably not competing anyway. But if you move him away, you're probably still not competing with this new guy you brought in because you were relying on AJ Brown to be a high-end wide receiver one, and you're just not gonna get that kind of return. So I think the best move here is to stick with AJ Brown if you have him, or to go out and acquire him. And now we are on to our fifth and final player, and it is going to be George Kittle at the tight end position. And this is probably close to the worst possible start George Kittle owners could have imagined. He plays the first four games, 
averages 10.6 PPR points per game, the tight end 10. So just not really what you drafted him for. You drafted him probably as the third overall tight end, third round most likely. And then he gets put on the IR with a calf injury. So just a brutal, brutal start. This 49ers offense has been pretty confusing all season long. You know, the usage of Brandon Ayuk has gotten a lot of attention, and rightfully so. You know, everyone thought he was going to be a solid wide receiver too this year, and then he's basically non-existent in the offense. But George Kittle's lack of involvement has not been talked about enough. His targets and overall target share has been fine. You know, he's averaging 7.3 targets a game on a 24.6% target share, but his average depth of target is only 4.8 yards, which is so incredibly low. There's not a lot of upside with that A dot. And what's even crazier to me is that he has zero red zone targets and zero touchdowns. How has George Kittle not been targeted one time in the red zone? I mean, that truly makes zero sense. I do think there's some hope that Trey Lance taking over as the starting quarterback could give Kittle a different look, you know, at the quarterback position. But I really can't imagine it's that much better given Lance's rushing ability. They're most likely going to be throwing the ball less because they're going to be relying on Trey Lance's legs. And so right now with George Kittle on IR, you're probably not going to be able to move him, but I'm definitely concerned about him moving forward. If you have someone reaching out to you about George Kittle, they probably think they're big brained going out, buying a high-end tight end one low. I think you really have to listen to their offers and kind of negotiate with them because they're probably willing to overpay and still think that George Kittle is this top tier tight end one, which I do not think we can label him as moving forward. You've got Kelsey, you've got Waller. Then I feel like you kind of got Mark Andrews. Andrews honestly may have passed George Kittle, definitely for rest of season, just because Mark Andrews is healthy and Kittle is not. But then you've got guys like Gronk, TJ Hawkinson. Kittle is probably in that range moving forward. And it definitely hurts to say, because that's probably a major hit to your teams but that is just the reality of the situation. But that is going to wrap it up for this video. Those were five players who have drastically underperformed so far and kind of just what I'm thinking about them moving forward. If you guys enjoyed this video, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. But thank you for stopping by and I'll see you next time.